0: So this is a disclaimer, Um, it took me a while to publish this episode because it's a beautiful and amazing episode, but for me matters of the spirit are sacred Um, and it's really hard to know what to share, how much to share, um, and and in what way to present it on public platforms. But um, I had a great time, you know, speaking with Chanel about the art of the tarot um, as one of the many divination systems, um, Black people um, are engaging, you know, with in order to find higher knowledge. Um, I do want to say um, very strongly: it is my prayer and my intention um, that if this resonates for anybody, um, it helps you to vibrate higher, right? It helps you to think more deeply about whatever practices you, um, engage, right? Um, or whatever, you know, calls to you. But I will also say that if it does not, it is my intention and my prayer that, um, people don't indulge in what's not for them, right? Because as they say, every good thing is not God's thing for you. Um, so be very discerning, right? Um, and I am not one that advocates that people dibble and dabble in anything that draws their interest. Um, but I also believe that, you know, we all have, um, an innate GPS, right. That tells us what it is that we need to do and what it is that we don't. Um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. So I'm joined today by Chanel Thomas, uh, bison, um, sociologists in training and, um, diviner, right. Um, I'm talking to her about the art of the tarot, the impacts of history, um, how we read culture, right. And how divination systems can be used as meditative tools, um, or, um, spiritual tools, you know, for our betterment and for our reflection and introspection. So once again, I'm going to warn y'all asses, don't be dibbling and dabbling in everything, good <laughs> um, every good thing and God's thing for you. But, um, you know, if, if this is your path, if you're so led, then I hope that you're able to garner some information um, from this to move forward. Hey, I'm really excited about um, today's episode because... I think Instagram culture, popular culture, social media, Beyonce's album, all of these things are bringing up for Black people and Black women in particular different modes of spiritual practices and ways for people to get grounded. So I'm really excited to talk a little bit today about the tarot with Chanel. And I'm going to start by letting you introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi,
1: my name is Chanel Thomas. I am i um, currently a PhD student at Howard University um, and I say that I, I make sure to inject that because it actually has a really big impact on my spirituality and how I've come to understand myself um, and I have been practicing tarot for a while um, which we'll get into but I think that at this specific stage in my life the tarot has been especially useful um, even as I'm engaging in intellectual pursuits my spiritual pursuits um, have been really important to me so
0: okay so then I guess the first thing I would ask is like, can you describe the tarot for someone who isn't familiar with this system?
1: Okay, so I think the conventional tarot cards, right? So um, pretty much the cards that have uh, kind of stemmed out of the Rider Waite um, tarot card system um, is 78 cards uh, that have a major arcana. Um, and so these are 20, 21 cards twenty one cards one twenty two cards um, that have are supposedly the most salient experiences in our lives the things that that uh, make it really hard for us to adjust to but they 're about the lessons and just part of our the place part of our journey right so the place in our journey that we are experiencing ourselves and then the minor arcana are um, kinds of the daily lessons that we're learning. Um, and the Minor Arcana is uh, divided up into four suits. Uh, the Cups, which represents emotions, the Swords, which represent um communication, intellectual thought, the uh Pentacles, which represent the practical side of life. Um, including like the pursuit of prosperity, money. Um. I, for me, I see it as like education. Um, but kind of like the daily learning. Um, and then the final ones are the wands, the suit of the wands, which for me are about um, energy and like um, kind of your participation in the world, like how you show up in the world. So that's how the uh, most traditional tarot decks are. But as people are developing their own decks, um, the number of cards can range from, you know, like 20 to, uh, I I haven't actually seen any more than 78, but um, I know that because people are developing their own decks regularly, it's really hard to put a number on them
0: mm. so. and then I wanted to ask a little bit because there are oracle cards and then there are tarot cards mm-hmm. so what what is the difference, or okay. how would you describe the difference between tarot and oracle cards okay and so the oracle cards are the ones that I think that people have taken um,
1: i't when i say liberty i don't I don't mean that in a judgmental sense, but I think that um, once you become familiar with the tarot cards um, and the ability to find meaning in pictures and imagery, and just how consistent these images can be um, in terms of helping you interpret and understand what's going on for you. Um, I think for many people, the next step is to develop their own deck, um, decks that they feel connected to, but and can use for themselves, but also a way of connecting to kind of like the the entire spiritual um, family, so to speak, right? To help others on their journey, and so. The oracle cards um, have specific messages, right? And each oracle deck has uh, specific images and specific messages um, that can resonate uh, with the reader. And when I say the reader, I I mean the person who's turning over the cards and interpreting them. Mm -hmm. Um, So the oracle cards really have, often have written messages on them, whereas the, um, the Rider Waite or the tarot cards, like the specific decks of tarot, allow you to see imagery And they all pretty much carry very similar meanings, Mm -hmm. um, regardless of which tarot it is.
0: And so would you say that it's best to use oracle cards for like one type of thing and tarot cards for another type of thing, or does it kind of depend on the person?
1: Yeah, I totally think it depends on the person. So um, when I first started reading, I had like one set of oracle cards and about 12. I got up to about 12 sets of tarot cards at one point in time, and the oracle cards just didn't really... um, feel Like they resonated with me, mm-hmm. but I think more so than that, as I was beginning my tarot journey and trying to learn um, all the different meanings because you can read the tarot cards in what we call upright, we can read them in reversed um, and there are um, uh, other ways that people read the the cards like ill dignified um, i can 't even remember all mm-hmm. the different ways right and so even just reading them upright or in reversals that's about one hundred and fifty six yeah you know card meanings that you need to develop and so um for whatever reason at the time that I was starting my tarot journey like I just wanted to focus on learning the meanings and getting comfortable with imagery and so introducing oracle cards was not necessarily part of my thing my um my relationship with the cards at that time Mm -hmm. but I do think that um I know a lot of readers who use oracle cards in addition to their tarot cards so Mm -hmm. they will do a tarot card reading and then do some oracle, pull some oracle cards to see if there are any additional messages that they need to be aware of. Um, I know some people who only read oracle cards, especially the angel oracle cards. And I find that people who consider themselves to be really religious and maybe come into conflict with, um, with the, uh, I can't remember the word neo neomancy. like the the fact that necromancy. you I can't remember the word, like the necromancy word necromancy right.
0: something about like finding talking the with the dead, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something. Right. Yeah. So
1: people who or come is that up about against that the
0: one of them, yeah. yeah, or like
1: mediumship, right, and yeah, any basically. of that, people come into conflict with it, and it helps them to feel better to look at the oracle cards when they're when they have pictures hmm. of angels on them, right. Hmm. And so um, I find that some people would prefer not to engage with the tarot and only use like angel cards. Okay. Um, so I think I. I think your question was well taken because mm-hmm. it it really isn't I, th- I think it's just dependent upon the person and what they're comfortable with.
0: And then um before I ask a little bit about like your belief system, does the tarot come from any particular spiritual tradition or religious tradition? You know if I I actually don't I don't
1: know that. I I um that's not something that I've actually looked up in terms of history. Mm-hmm. Um I think more so than that, especially because my background is Christianity and my understanding of the world, my worldview, mm-hmm. um, began to be formed. I don't consider myself Christian right now, um, but my worldview was formed through a Christian lens, and so like I know that tarot is anti-religious um, mm-hmm. in terms of the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Um, for many people, um, not for myself, um, but I don't. I can't think of any um, any specific. Religion, although to be honest, there's something in my recollection, and i 'm going to have to look it up later, but I do want to say that something about the hieroglyphs the hieroglyphs mm-hmm. in Egypt mm-hmm. um, and using pictures to represent images and um, messages
0: mm-hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if that's it where it depends. started yeah. so um as you know, when I was in Jamaica the other day, i don 't know why I was googling stuff, but I was googling stuff, and I was really pleased to find out that. Pamela Coleman Smith was a black woman with Jamaican heritage that actually il- illustrated the first of what we know as contemporary tarot cards mm-hmm. commonly referred to as the Rider-Waite deck. Mm-hmm. Um so apparently under the instruction of Arthur Waite, she um designed all of these cards because he had like some older tarot deck that he wanted to like recreate or something and they teamed up and they were like, "All right, we're going to do this." But you always hear this being called the writer weight deck, mm-hmm. not the writer weight Coleman deck, although some people have repurposed um language around that. I just so when I think about like black people uh in contemporary culture and right now and people getting into these divinatory tools and like connecting to ancestors, it's it feels almost like mystic, right? Because for a lot of people who would consider themselves more conservative, it's like oh no like you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be thinking about that but I definitely think it's important to talk about the genealogy of all of these things because if you google tarot cards um people are not going to necessarily be able to place them to one space or another but there's always this consensus that they came out of Egypt so Mm -hmm. you were talking about like um hieroglyphs and how hieroglyphs are pictograms right so they have sound functions they have a, a photographic function and then course you know function in terms of literacy Mm -hmm. and I just I don't know I find that pretty interesting do you work with the right away deck at all
1: yeah actually so the right away deck is probably is the deck that I've been working with the longest right so Mm -hmm. I actually started reading the Rider Waite deck when I was about thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and where did you get the deck from at thirteen? Um, my mom had it. I don't want to put her. <laughs> I want to put it in trouble, but I found it in her um, in one of the drawers. Uh, my mom is oh. a hoarder. Hi, mom. She <laughs> are. She's a little bit of a hoarder, and so she keeps things. But I mean, she had it in a, in a, in a, in a safe place, and it was clearly um, important. Mm. Um, it was kind of. Did you
0: life tell life. her you took them out? Oh yeah. yeah okay.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Because um, I was fascinated by them, um, mm. and. One of the things that I really, really like about the deck and what makes it easier for me to, or what made it easier for me to read and understand is that the entire deck has been illustrated um, and designed to kind of depict a person's story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say this because I actually think it's really important, or a person's journey, right? Mm-hmm. I think that for those people who are a little conflicted about picking up a deck, mm-hmm. right, it kind of, it takes off some of, it. not that it takes off some of the mystique, but it just, it helps to um, to make it less fearful, right? When we can see ourselves in the cards, right? Mm-hmm. And so like the first card in the deck is the Fool, right? And mm-hmm. so like at, at the number zero, the Fool starts his journey and he's open to being adventurous and open mm-hmm. to whatever comes along, right? And this is and the, this is the uh, first card in the Major Arcana. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last card in the Major Arcana is someone who's been through like a journey of like learning and creating. Um, That's the world, right? And the last part is the world, right? Oh, okay. And so, like, they've been through all these phases. They mm-hmm. graduate, they complete a phase, um, and then the whole cycle starts again, right? So yeah. then after we've completed one thing, we go off and start again. And so, like, hmm. the right of weight for me has been um, kind of reflective of different phases of my life, right? I can see myself mm-hmm. not necessarily painted in the pictures because they're all white-faced. Um, <laughs> but um, I do like the fact that I can understand and kind of the pictures resonate with me and the and the meaning of the cards resonate with me because I
0: understand myself to have been at different points in the journey hmm. and I think it's, it's crazy to me because I'm like when I think about the fact that a black woman drew these cards these illustrations mm-hmm. I think about all of these years that I've been like oh there's these white people on these cards yeah, why are they black people on these cards and, and, and then mm-hmm. and then you hear and you find out that of course black women black people in particular always are being erased from even these spiritual histories um, through you know religions uh, school like so I think in talking about uh, Pamela Coleman Coleman Smith it's interesting I say black woman because you know as we know as like students who both you know attended Howard blackness has a very very long very wide spectrum and so she had Jamaican parentage Um, you know she went to school in Jamaica spent some of her formative years there Um, But when we talk about women of color um, in general and erasure from really, whether it's metaphysics, whether it's from, you know, their roles in the church, whether it's from their roles in academe, like there seems to be this constant theme of erasure because when we think about writer weight, as people usually call it, it is the beginner's deck, or like that is the stamp. So, even all of the decks that have been not, I won't say all, but most of the decks that have been created since then have been premised on the Rider Waite deck. So, how do you feel about calling it? Do you call it Rider Waite? Like, do you did you ever like spend any time thinking about any misgivings about the name? So, I actually didn't,
1: and I think initially, um, because I found out that she was a black woman only recently and then I think it's, it's something that I even kind of discarded and only until you reminded me um, mm-hmm. recently um, and I had seen pictures of her and I because she's her uh, phenotype like she's lighter mm-hmm. um, I was not even aware for myself and that's like my own personal um, shortcoming mm-hmm. um, but I know for a fact that as of right now right I will probably start to um refer to it as the Smith Waite deck um, Mm -hmm. because she initially was a person who um, I know that she was under his guidance Mm -hmm. um, and um, she's the one who drew the pictures and then he came up with she drew the pictures under his direction um, and followed kind of his guidance Mm -hmm. but and he decided to uh, create a book um, to kind of uh, develop more of the meaning Mm -hmm. of the cards and the, the deck is only called the Writer Deck because of who published it. And I, they don't actually deserve any credit in my book. <laughs> like you just you said, okay, let's distribute it. Um, mm-hmm. And really didn't have anything to do with it. And I, I find that really intriguing that what's, what was more important was the person, the people who distributed it as opposed to the, the woman who, um, who did all the work in creating these pictures and articulating through drawing and through art, the story. Um, mm-hmm. That Smith wanted to outline okay. um, and I think for me what 's also kind of poignant is that um, like you say, in terms of her being kind of invisible in the process mm-hmm. and I wonder i just i 've been speculating to myself how much of that has to do with the fact that um, black spirituality, um, especially at the time, like I, I, d- I think people still imagine that that blacks in America were still very connected to the traditions of coming out of Africa. Um, And those types of things were really scary. And so I wonder how much of her erasure had to do with um, her being tied to or seen as connected to Jamaica, Mm -hmm. right? With um, spiritual traditions that people um, kind of turn their noses up at. Um, Just my own personal speculation. What are your thoughts?
0: (laughs) (laughs) What are my thoughts? Um... I think it's interesting, right? Because, um, for one, I went to Catholic school. And I remember oh, I was very, really fascinated with Egypt before I took hieroglyphs at Howard and before I met Dr. Beatty and, you know, all of those things. I used to use the icons in high school to inspire my pieces. Like, you know, every semester we used to have to do some type of, like, exhibition and I would always find myself drawn to the glyphs, um, the scenes, etc. And I found, I started to realize I was in mass and I'm not Catholic, you know, so I went in mass and I was like, why are you using the staff that, hold on, you know, and I started to see even the robes and I was like, wow, I find it so crazy how black people's intellectual, spiritual, physical productions always get inherited, but we don't ever get credited for those productions, right? i think about like jesus a black man you know and people still these movies these tv shows and it's just like that's that's not even historically accurate but there's some type of fear in in that preserving the people who created the traditions will give those people who you're trying to oppress a certain level of power i believe and so when i think about once again like her being a woman of color caribbean woman jamaican woman in particular You know, traveling back and forth to the UK, I think about the ways in which all of these mystical systems have, like, taken the world by storm. And even now, like, you know, a lot of the New Age stuff is um, really wonderful to people and everybody thinks they want to sage and, you know, all of these things. But people don't remember that, yeah, you're saging and you're doing yoga and you're doing all of these things. But these traditions belong to people with a genealogy that go far beyond whatever we can even understand or comprehend. And so I always try to give credence when it comes to, like, working with materials of the earth, like, to traditions and cultures that continue to uphold that. You know, I I honor, you know, First Nations people for them even, like, you know, sharing that with us in the world. And I try to do my best to be mindful about sustainability measures, which is continually, you know, important to them. And then when I particularly think about myself as a Black Caribbean woman, um, you know, my journey to Jamaica, especially this past summer, has really illuminated for me the ways in which um, religion, and we know, we sociologists, so we know that uh, religion as an institution, right, has a lot of oppressive functions. And to me, it was very striking to see everything that seemed Africanized or, you know, African be kind of relegated to the margins in certain spaces and then everything that seemed like eurocentric or anything that seemed conservative or that would be in line with whatever like Europe would accept was okay like that was a, a serious serious conflict for me mm-hmm. but I had to sit there and watch and observe and see how these these interactions and this binary you know thing is is so nuanced and so I I wasn't surprised when I read that but I was just like once again okay it there it is, <laughs> is yeah. mhm and I guess along with, uh, you know, elevating Pamela Coleman Smith, what are some other misconceptions that people have about tarot? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think that people think that there's some sort of magic, um, rooted in all of the cards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, I guess my personal philosophy is like the magic comes with us, and I actually, so I do consider myself religious, um, or that's not true. I consider myself to be really spiritual. I really believe in God. Mm-hmm. Um, But one of the things that I was talking with a friend about this recently is that if, I think that we have capacities far beyond what we understand about ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, one of the things that is general knowledge, human knowledge at this point is that um, we're only using about 10% of our brain as Mm -hmm. humans, right? And so if that is true, and that we are only using 10% of our brain to be able to conceive of this um, entity, Mm -hmm. creator, being, thing that connects us, this source, right? If we cannot, if, if we're only using 10% of our brain, we can't possibly conceive of it in its entirety, right? Mm-hmm. And so, for that reason, I say that we then can't conceive of ourselves in yeah. our entirety if we're made in His image.
0: Mm-hmm. I say this to say. I made me that think about Erica Biden when she said, If we were yeah. made in His image, then call us by our name. <laughs> Most intellects <laughs> do not believe in God, but they fear us just the same. There we go. All right, Erica, shout out to you. Shout out, shout out. <laughs> <laughs> all right um,
1: but I say that to say that it I think that we all have magic within us, right, and not mm-hmm. in terms of like the evil black black magic that people kind of associate with the cards, like I think mm-hmm. you just have the capacity to, to understand, understand the world, get connected in understand yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I think that people are often very trepidated, intrepidated um, yeah. by the notion of knowing the future, mm-hmm. but all of it 's available to us i, I can 't even tell you how many people I know have dreams about what 's getting ready to happen. Mm-hmm. Or people say, "Oh my God, I knew you were gonna call. I was Mm -hmm. just thinking about you, right?" And so we have all these glimpses, um, or even you and I having dinner the other day, and you know you having these experiences of (laughs) déjà vu, and so like all of those things are glimpses into our ability to kind of tap into um, like our source, right? Mm -hmm. Which is what I call God. And so
0: the, the pictures that come up in the cards for me are just another way of accessing my source. And I think, like, one place that I definitely want to put a pin and just uh, recognize vocally is I think about the ways in which um, modernity, colonialism, enslavement, capitalism, et cetera, et cetera, has really torn us away from the traditions that ground us. And I remember there's a a concept, I'm not sure if it was a Yoruba concept or a Congo concept, but when I took Black Aesthetics, um, we discussed it, um, and Dr. Carr shared, he said, that you come to God through your ancestors. Mm-hmm. And I rem- I think we were reading Mask of Art by Robert Ferris Thompson. And I was like, yo, when you That's think awesome. about the fact of the matter is like, when you think about what initiation looks like or means like, or even like, you know, bringing it to from a Christian perspective, right? There's these rituals, of course, that happen that tie you to the rest of your spiritual family, right? Globally in the same way, there are facets of that that is culturally localized, right? So people who live in black America might practice very different than people who live in the Caribbean might practice very different than people who live on the continent. Why? Because culture enters the conversation in the picture. And I think about the ways in which we've been cut off from those rituals, right? Those rites of passage and even those initiations that will help us to understand like, why all black people be like, when you dream about fish, somebody pregnant. right? Like, you know, so where, where where is the linkage for us? And I think that when we think about divinatory tools, when we think about how we interact with and honor our ancestors and how we even conceive of God, a lot of that has, well, they have tried to take a lot of that from us through those mechanisms such as colonialism and enslavement. And that fear that they put in place, I think, really kind of stiffens us. like, And we, we don't really know how to move and interact um, beyond the veil.
1: I mean that fear can actually be really consuming right because if you think that opening a deck of tarot cards or even sitting down for a reading to get to know whether yourself or to understand what possibilities lay ahead for you in the future what messages or warnings um, are available to you if you think that accessing that is the key to eternal damnation that Mm. can be really stifling right can be Mm. really constraining really restraining Um, and so I I think the lessons have been well taught right Mm. so that people are really um Closed off from anything that's not, um, and I, I think it's well designed, right? And so we hear often that the system, any system that is in operation, is doing exactly what it's designed to do, never to be fooled, that Mm -hmm. otherwise. And so I think the system was specifically designed to constrain people within a certain line of thinking, Um, and the reason why the resistance to this, these cards, um, I think, has been so so strong over the years, right, from the evangelical communities is because it's been, like you said, handed down to them, right, that Mm -hmm. you're veering off of the path that God has designed for you. Mm -hmm. Um, But we might want to examine which God, who designed Mm -hmm. this God, you know, who stipulated, you know, (laughs) what God's thoughts are. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think I just wanted to revisit just the whole notion of, like, the Egyptian, um, Egyptians' impact on us in the current, everything, current, well, <laughs> you. yeah, um, and that pretty much all of the important stories in the Jesus story mm-hmm. come from the, an Egyptian narrative. They can be mm-hmm. located in stories back in Egypt, mm-hmm. way before we created the, the Jesus narrative. Whether mm-hmm. it's the virgin birth or the death on the cross, like all of those stories were actually co-opted from mm-hmm. Egyptian narratives, right? Egyptian, mm-hmm. Egyptian storytelling, um, and so I just find it in, intriguing. That while you co-opt one set of stories from the continent, you Mm -hmm. resist another set of stories and another set of um, Mm -hmm. traditions.
0: Well, I think so. There are three things that I got to jump to, right? Mm -hmm. So, the first being. I remember one of those things that I noticed in high school with the art piece was that Egyptian art always influenced Greek art and Greek art always influenced Roman art. And I always seen that. And there's also continuities in those patterns. When you think about spirituality, when you think about architecture, when you think about um, anything really, like, you know, you think about astronomy, you think about physics, like there, there's always that continuity. And then the second part of things was when I actually went to um, Egypt I remember, um, you know, I went, like, on the tour or whatever with uh, a professor from Howard, and I remember hearing, overhearing a group of people saying, like, oh, that's crazy. Like, they stole these stories. I don't know. Like, it was, like, you know, those conversations. And I remember there was this really still moment for me, which was, like, I think God, source, creator, um, most high is so genius because when you see archaic, is the word is the word I'm looking for archaic? Like those narratives, it would be arcana, I guess, in a sense, because there are those narratives that no matter where you find yourself in the world, you see them, you hear about notions of rebirth and and death, right? You think about, and I thought about all of those stories, um, the Egyptian stories. As, like, a foreshadowing in a sense, right? And then I thought about the mystics, right? The Egyptian mystics or the Coptics. And then you think about the Church of Lalabella in Egypt, I mean, in um Ethiopia, et cetera, et cetera. And you think about how Jesus lived in Africa at some point. And where is that narrative? How is it that the Roman Catholic Church, the people who killed him, come with the first and the original narrative? That makes no sense. So I remember seeing that and then learning. That makes
1: learning. perfect sense, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah. And I remember, you know, learning that there were, you know, different people who grappled with this notion. Like there were Gnostics, you get what I'm saying? They, these were the people who I learned about in Catholic school that were called, um, what do they call them? The heretics. These were the people that they were killing and all. And I said, these niggas ain't teach us that. Right. All I heard was, you know, these, these schisms. I didn't Nash, hear Marvin that. And John. Right. And so when you think about the impact, and I think this political moment um, teaches people in our generation a lot about propaganda, right, and power and how religiosity, quote unquote, enters that picture. You know, when we have what's going on in the White House coupled with, oh, prayers and like, excuse me, this is not, it makes no sense. And so I think about us returning to a lot of these practices or even not even necessarily returning because i don't think we've ever left like as i mentioned to you a little earlier i said like you know people talk about altars and all type of crazy stuff like they don't got obituaries sitting in the vestibule like i don't like i don't understand you got
1: these things sitting on the
0: table and i think that there's a a difference between looking and, and i also think about these these notions of um like european cosmologies and worldviews that Designate anything heavenly as separate from us, and that's not the way that like us as African people have. We don't construct our world views in that way, so that's why we, and I. Not even to get too far, but like I think even Du Bois talks about the veil, and that has a lot of different facets, and one of them being spiritual because he got the Negro spirituals, you know, as um, epigraphs before each chapter, and so I wanted to ask too about how. You mentioned that, like, you being at Howard was a big part of your practice with the tarot. And I just wanted to know if you were able to share a little bit more about that. So I think
1: not even... So Howard is an HBCU. I Mm -hmm. think I've had What's an an HBCU
0: for the people who Uh, might not know? uh,
1: Stop (laughs) this. So Howard is a historically black um, college or university. Um, And so I have been at a number of institutions, both worked and... um, uh, learned, mm-hmm. been educated, um, and we won't name those, but um, <laughs> I have <laughs> had any number of struggles um, engaging as part of a predominantly white institution, right? Um, and so, um, but for me, like specifically about being in Howard, was that uh, being in an academic environment as an intellectual and having that coincide with my spirituality, which Good. can be. Um, misunderstood or misrepresented as oppositing uh, acting in opposition Mm -hmm. right so that people if you believe in what you can see and what you can analyze and what you can quantify Mm -hmm. how can you also give such credence to um like the mystic like what you can't see what you don't really understand um and for me, like I, I do think there are various levels of intelligence, right? You I mean, know that there's like emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, etc., cetera, et cetera, But I do, I for me, I think that there's a spiritual intelligence, right? And I mm-hmm. think that, I think that when you're going through any PhD program, it requires a spiritual intelligence. Don't make we right? cry. Right? <laughs> it requires Ooh. a spiritual like connection, whether it's you know to a higher source to the people who are around you, um, because uh, like it is a it is hard, it is a hard fought battle, right? And so like. Mm-hmm it's not just the stuff that you were learning in class, but there are just certain points in your life that are coming for me there are points in my life that I have run into, um, during this journey that have made um made the journey that much more challenging. Right. There have been um people I think that didn't necessarily understand me as an mm-hmm. individual. Um, there are certain types of isolation that I think and I, I While at Howard, I think my connection to my cards has actually grown because there I can use my cards to get insight into things, into people, into situations, and assure myself or provide myself with a security and a level of understanding that I think that not a lot of people have access to. And I, for me, actually wish that more people would access these divinatory tools Mm -hmm. um, because you can find truth in a lot more places other than The people that stand across from you and try to tell you what the truth is, right? So,
0: I think... I I miss Howard, I really do and um, I think a big part of, so I wanted to like circle back to like, you know on Twitter people's always, always talking about HBCU versus PWIs but I actually don't conceptualize them that way I conceptualize them as historically black colleges and universities and historically white colleges and universities because I think that the very space the very ground that you know, these intellectual happenings are transpiring on have a lot to do with the feel of the campus the feel of you know your interactions with faculty etc etc and i think that a space like howard for both faculty and students alike and people who are in the community um, it's a sacred space for a lot of different reasons because throughout history and throughout time like we have stood for certain things when we say excellence and truth and service like we mean that Mm -hmm. and i think that We struggle with each other. other, We struggle with the outside world. We struggle with, you know, realms above and below. We struggle with politics. But we struggle in a way that honors the people who walk that same land. And I think to be in a historically white space, particularly for me, and at this particular age and doing this PhD thing, there's moments where I feel literally reactions in my body that I don't understand because I'm not used to learning in a hostile environment and I refuse to get used to learning in a hostile environment but as you say if I didn't have certain spiritual connections for myself I wouldn't understand or validate why that was that would become what like what why can't I just why do I feel this way when this professor you know when this professor when they only did Du Bois for two days on the syllabus why was I so incensed and there those moments for me were not just intellectual battles or political battles like those were also spiritual because when you're thinking about the spirit of the people you're invoking as you're saying these are the top sociologists but social like they weren't even sociologists but then the black sociologists who were thinking about and conceptualized things about the world don't become beneficial until we can monetize Du Bois, right. until we can you know like and i was just like and
1: weaponize washington
0: Exactly, and and I'm like, oh, so sis, we can't read Anna Julia Cooper. I'm lost, you know. And but as an undergrad at Howard, we had access to those things, and not just those people's intellectual productions, but who they were and what they mean to us as a collective. Mm -hmm. That does something different to your spirit. It
1: does. It does. But I do think I so I appreciate Howard for all for everything. Like I'm so in love with Howard. Like I I appreciate being in those classrooms and, and. I'm not going to say that the spaces in our classrooms weren't contested, but they were not mm-hmm. contested for very different types of reasons, yeah. right? So we had a diversity of thought and not... There was no unsafety mm-hmm. around having to explain blackness, right? So, like, a lot of times at PWIs, I would feel like I had to explain mm. the black perspective and then it was unsafe because people did not want to recognize or understand the value and importance of that, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, being at Howard is so important. But I also think that they were... There are times when I, I do feel, in terms of my tarot use, that it's constraining. Because I don't tell a lot of people, mm. right? I don't. Um, because, for better or worse, Howard is... Preve- pre- prevalent? Can you find the word? Predominantly.
0: Uh, predominantly. It's prevailingly,
1: prevailingly mm-hmm. Christian and conservative, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think people are... Becoming more and more open to mm. examining like new spiritual traditions and ways of thinking things, but I think in terms of the mainstream at Howard, um, we're still working through, <laughs> working on, working in right the Christian paradigm. And so, um, for me, that's—I I, wouldn't say it's been difficult because I think I've been—I've done some work and research around religion, um, and so like mm. I understand to come from. Um, But I I do think there's some um, hesitation on my part to necessarily, like, allow everyone into my uh, spiritual understanding of the world.
0: Do you think that um, it is because people often, like, link tarot usage and stop it at that European piece? Or do you think that that is divination systems in general that are frowned upon? Yeah.
1: I think they don't stop. I don't even think it gets to the European piece as much as it gets to the devil, right? That if Mm. you're doing this, you're in league with the devil, right Mm. and so like the only way that you'll have access to the information is through the devil and i'm i've always been so intrigued right so i my dreams like i prophecy in dreams right um and they are really strong and so i don't believe for a moment that the devil because what what i think is funny is every time i get those dreams i thank god right Mm -hmm. and i praise god and i um my uh Fear of God, my awe, respect—whatever gets that much stronger. And I know one of the one of the quotes that I always hold on to is, um, "A house divided against itself cannot stand." Mm-hmm. And so I don't understand why the devil would offer me these um, glimpses into the future or mm-hmm. pieces of insight to make me worship God. Like that doesn't make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have come to the understanding that any of these tools that are available um, are made available as additional sources of insight for me so that I can manage and live through this really difficult time, mm-hmm. right? Or these difficult times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually, not laughing to myself, but I was thinking how you were talking about like being in a classroom and having such a jarring experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I read my cards morning and evening, mm-hmm. right? Before I go to bed. Like they're they're a meditative tool for me as well. Okay. And as you were talking, so and this happens to me a lot, right? So when people are talking, I often get images of, the right of weight deck like mm. in my head and I can see either an experience around a person based on the card that comes out because mm. I've been reading them so often um, or for myself and so like as you, were t- as you were talking I know exactly what card I would have gotten right the night before had I been preparing to have that experience in the classroom right mm. so I would have gotten a specific series of cards um, and I would have been prepared it it wouldn't have necessarily changed the outcome but I would have remembered oh okay so this is what you're going to experience and this is what the best outcome is for you so whether it's to go internal whether it's to speak your truth whether it's to get into that conflict whether it's to like escape or leave out you know what I mean like the cards can offer some advice mm-hmm. um, they offer uh, warning I guess in terms of like here's what's coming mm-hmm. down the pipe right um, And not in a scary way that I think people may think. I know that the death card often, like, scares people, right? Mm -hmm. There's this death card in the deck. Um, But I actually don't read the death card in the way that people understand it. Or, like, uh, Hmm. but I just, I think, as you were telling that story, I know that there are ways in which we can arm ourselves, right? I've been using Mm -hmm. this term, gird your loins, like, a lot Mm -hmm. lately, right? And so the tarot cards, for me, help me to gird my loins. Like, it makes me stronger, and it makes me, like, prepared to handle the thing that's getting ready to come in.
0: What are some of those, like, what are some of your favorite cards or not-so-favorite cards? Like, what's the, what are some, what would be your top three most vivid cards, and, like, how do you read them?
1: Okay, I love the Two of Cups. That's my favorite. <laughs> um, so the Two of Cups is about, like, being in relationship and union. Um and it can be about romantic relationships but it also can be just about being in relationship with other people like there's something that's just so fulfilling to me and so sweet about being in connection with another person okay um i also really like the ace of cups <laughs> the ace of cups <laughs> the ace of okay. cups mm-hmm. um because what that for me represents is kind of like the opening of your own spirit right and so like the the receptivity to the love that's around you mm-hmm. um and i and part of it is i also want to say that my Favorite cards have changed over the years, right? What appeals to me, um, in the same way, I know this sounds, this may sound a little shallow, but in the same way, like on specific shopping days, certain colors appeal to me, right? And so what I'm finding is in this phase of my life, the yellows in the cards have been really appealing, right? And so like when I see yellows, they make me, um, they just elicit a form of joy, like a, or like a settledness, but a settled joy, and so I really like those cards. Okay. Um, I another card that I really like. One that makes me laugh is the Temperance card, right? And the mm-hmm. Temperance card is about like having patience and mm-hmm. just like being measured, um, and also the Chariot card. And these are cards that I get. So the Chariot card is about like staying on course, on track, um, mm-hmm. and it, it also has a fair amount of yellow in it.
0: Okay. Um,
1: so I I love the cups, like I love some of the cups, um, and I um, I like the cards that kind of remind me like a slow down, like mm-hmm. chill out, and I get those a lot. Okay. Um, I do have. <laughs> one card and I tell people all the time the three of swords for me whenever I see it it means I'm gonna cry like I i mm. am going to an experience of pain that is um so so much anguish that it's going to cause me tears and it never fails and every time I see it I just go mm. <laughs> um so those cards I kind of have the most meaning and I really just I like I said my my relationship with the cards evolve and so mm. like things come up um and I understand them differently Mm -hmm. I think Um, and so I think that's actually an important part an important answer to your question as well so Mm -hmm. even the cards that I really like today I may understand them differently tomorrow Um,
0: yeah and then I think one, what's one other thing that I would want to well people might want what what are some things that you would want people to know um, about the tarot I think especially as we think about social media culture like you know it's people's whose pages you know they do tarot readings they you know people share people do youtube readings um and so where the digital age is really changing our relationship to and our access to certain information so would you offer any like guidance for somebody that is interested in tarot
1: so i would actually
0: say hmm, also do you do readings
1: i do do readings okay (laughs) So, and actually, this is where it 's going to come from because i 've done readings on um, different websites mm-hmm. um, first of all it 's actually re- it's, it can be really difficult to read people 's energy over the phone or over the computer, and so I know that people get really impatient and i I say this as someone who had really good ratings mm-hmm. on the site that I was um, working on, mm-hmm. but I also think that people get so frantic and so upset because they expect like the absolute truth right, mm-hmm. and they expect they 're like okay well you 're the readings, and i I say this because i also get read tarot card readings, and mm-hmm. I see the um the feedback that people leave other readers, and I'm like, people are so impatient, and they're like, you know, what you said didn't come through right away. And I think that when you start reading the tarot cards, mm-hmm. you actually give people a little bit more leeway because I do think the cards, and that, like I said, as someone who reads my cards every day, like mm-hmm. I see the changes. Like I can be like, I can ask about a specific scenario, mm-hmm. and like the cards will look exactly the same. And I'm sorry, I just want to digress really quickly. It's fascinating to me how on a 78-card deck, like, three or four subsequent readings can pull up the same series of cards. Like, Mm -hmm. And I will take pictures. I actually have a series of pictures in a journal that show, right, so that I... On one day, I may get the temperance card and Mm -hmm. I'll get it the next day and I'll get it the next day and I'll get it the next day until I've integrated and I'm like, okay, I hear you, I'm going to be patient and then I won't get them anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when the lesson is learned or when something shifts kind of in the energy, um, things can change in the reading, right? And I, I would tell people to be um, a little bit more, uh, it's not forgiving because I don't necessarily see that, that the readers are wrong, but I think just a, to, a little bit more aware of the fact that energies really do shift, right? And and I think energy shift with knowledge, right? Yeah. So that if you think that the situation is going to work out, you behave differently right mm-hmm. so if you think at any cost like you know let's say a relationship that we're going to be together mm-hmm. you may do something to shift the energy because you are assuming that no matter what you do right um, you all will be together so I, I think that's actually really important for people to know and understand about the tarot it picks up shifting energies right um, I think that's really critical um, and I think it's actually really important to also know the decks if you are going to ask for readings Mm -hmm. and the reason i say that is because so sometimes people give me readings and they will pull cards and they will define it and their definitions are completely not completely opposite but their definitions are tweaked versions of my definitions and how i see and understand the cards and so i try to recognize um what's happening inside of me like my source and know whether okay i can just accept their their thing or if the cards the cards are very rarely a message for the reader right the cards Mm -hmm. are a message for me or like the Mm -hmm. person who's getting the reading and so if i see um a card come up that i know for me has a specific meaning even though the reader is reading it one way Mm -hmm. i may just register it in my mind and be like okay well they said this but this is also whenever i see it this is what happens and so like i try to tweak my readings that way um so again I said the two things that I think are really important is that you um, acknowledge the fact that energy shift through the tarot like it's a living they're a living body right they're a living entity and so like they they move with us as we grow Um, and then also that knowing the cards um, gives us kind of a leg up when we're getting readings from other people Um, I do think that there are people who um, may be well intentioned but not well educated about the tarot cards and then sometimes I've gotten readings from people where i just have to kind of furrow my eyebrows and be like wait what what are you Mm -hmm. actually talking about um but i do think that once you get in start to get really connected to cars like your source can tell whether someone is authentically coming from
0: a place what's your favorite spread
1: my favorite spread is actually one that i created for myself right and so like and my favorite spread again changes one of the things so what i have learned is to pay attention to the things that I want to know and just kind of lay the cards out that way and so one of the things and to be really cautious about the questions you ask right because you can ask what does this person think of me mm-hmm. what does this person think about me mm-hmm. um what is this person experiencing about me what is this person feeling about me and all of those are four different questions mm-hmm. right like so it's really important about the questions that you ask but my favorite spread is actually kind of like to ask what um, the current experience is mm-hmm. in the situation, hopes, fears, and then the energy surrounding the situation. Okay. Um, I, um, for, for whatever reason, like the Celtic cross never really resonated with mm-hmm. me. Like, I do like the past, present, and future just for kind of a simple spread, like okay. it's a three card spread. Um, and I also like um, a relationship spread, whether it's a romantic partnership or whatever, like you can actually just look at the relationship situation and then there are sides on each. There are cards on each side that let you look at how each person is consciously contributing to the situation, how each person is um, experiencing it on emotional level, and then how what outside behaviors and attitudes are actually contributing to the situation. And so, like that's actually one of my favorite spreads.
0: And then um, two more questions would be. One would be, what is, what does a daily spread look like? Mm -hmm. And then two, what would be some decks that you would um, recommend for beginners? Okay.
1: Um, so a daily spread, like, really could just vary from one card to just be like, okay, what lesson am I going to learn tomorrow? What's the major lesson that I'm going to struggle with? What's Mm -hmm. the major lesson, um, that I'm going to learn easily? Mm -hmm. Um, or what is something that I need to know going in tomorrow? Um, I think, um, best path spreads are really important. Like, um... To say, okay, so if you pull a card and you get, you know, one card and it says, okay, you're, you're, um, tomorrow you're going to find yourself in a conflict, right? Mm -hmm. So there are cards for the conflict, like the Five of Swords. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can ask the deck, like, what is my best path Mm -hmm. for dealing with this conflict, right? Mm -hmm. Again, if you say, what's my best path for dealing with the conflict, it's going to tell you how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. As opposed to asking, what's my best path for preventing the conflict, right? Those are two different things. Um, and so, like, those are things, those are... Ways in which I think the daily reads can happen, mm-hmm. um, and they say not to ask your cards like multiple questions over and over, mm-hmm. or the same question over and over. But I do, and I actually find it's pretty effective for me. Um, okay. And again, part of the reason is part of the reason is I understand that sometimes my wording is not quite what I'm getting at, right? Or if something comes up and I'm like, ah. And I genuinely will be asked the cards to forgive me and just be like, okay, I just want to confirm this. So, like, not being stubborn or whatever, like, let's just confirm what you just said, right? So I ask for confirmation. Um, what was the second question? Um,
0: the what, are that some, I... what are some decks that you would recommend for beginners?
1: Um, I recommend starting with an Oracle deck just because they, the words are actually on there. Um, and uh, I recommend finding a deck, and I, I can't even remember the name of it. Well, one of the first decks that I... Used after the tarot, um, after the Rider Waite decks, actually had the um, the name of the card and the meanings, like on the front of the card. card. Yeah. Um, So those are really helpful. Um, I would also recommend uh, breaking right, slowing down, and trying not to do the reversals initially. Right. Just get really familiar with the cards the right way up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think it's really important that people. um, when i say connect to the cards i mean pay attention to the feeling that comes up when you turn a card over right Mm -hmm. are you resistant to the card if you're resistant to the card it makes it hard to um to deliver bad news right Mm -hmm. whether that's to yourself or to someone else right so and i don't mean bad news in terms of like okay someone's going to die but i mean like you know the answer to your question may be no Mm -hmm. or you're going to go through a difficult time if you're resistant to that there's a tendency to try and like sugarcoat things Mm -hmm. um, both for yourself and for other people and so i would say that i um I um, I would hesitate on that. I would hold off on that. Okay. I do want to say that one... Um, this is one of my favorite decks, but I actually got rid of it uh, probably about 12 years ago. 15, Seven. Wait, where are we now? 2001. I got rid of my cards. Um, I had a deck called the Gypsy deck, mm-hmm. um, and they actually have the writing on the card, right? And they tell you exactly what's going to happen. Really? The thing about the Gypsy deck is um, they predict bad fortune like clear like they really say you're going to experience bad fortune, you're gonna experience this. And it can be really general. Um but I remember and I had the cards for less than three months and I um there's a layout that really like the way that you lay the cards out is you significate yourself, right? As a male or a female and then you do like surrounding cards that are close to the significator and then you do cards that are further away. And Um, It will tell you, you know, if the cards are close to you, like, this is what's going to happen if the cards are far from you. And one of the cards, a reading that I got, um, said that someone, a male, a man you love, or something like that, like a man that you love is going to die. Like, it was really that blatant, right? They expected death or sickness or something like that, because it was a combination of cards, right? It was like the, the dark clouds and like something, something. And it wasn't within... I want to say maybe three or four weeks that my daughter's father passed away and I wow. literally picked up the cards and threw them in the garbage. I was like, we're good. Mm, <laughs> like I am done. Wow. Um, and it's taken me about, it's taken me like 15 years to pick the cards back up. Um, and actually no, wait, it's 2019. I just bought them last year. It took me 17 years.
0: That same deck, uh, that same
1: deck. Mm. Right. Cause I recognize, and it's it been really, um, clear, accurate, and truthful in a number of different ways, and I was just like, whoa, that's too much, right, and I, because you talk about traditions that aren't based steeped in Christianity, and how um, we have pictures about the gypsies in our head, like imagery, Mm for me, that I carry with the gypsies, and they're mystical, right, in ways that I don't understand, and I I always believe that they um, have access to a different type of truth than we do, not not the truth, but a different type of truth, Mm -hmm. Um, and so was really intrigued when I got the gypsy cards Um, and when they turned out to be so incredibly accurate like I just couldn't even handle it like it was just too scary I was like clearly I'm messing with something I just don't know about Um, so and I I still use them but I'm very sparing with them okay
0: Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: is there anything else that you feel like we missed um I do I just think everyone should have an opportunity to at least get one deck of cards right um, everyone I, you
0: think so I, I do,
1: I think everyone should um because i I think we can all benefit from like the meditative tools like it's med as a meditative tool, right um, and I know that people are afraid of it um, and I know that people are anti right so i mean i'd say everyone who's open to exploring their spirituality, right, so if you mm-hmm. are absolutely adamant that there is no way that there's any possibility. Mm-hmm. That you can get insights from something other than the Bible or other than God or that you feel like putting your trust anywhere else is a an affront to God then this is probably not the thing for you but if you believe that um, everything is connected right and that source or God can offer you messages in multiple ways and give you insight and healing in multiple through multiple avenues and I think that this is a good a good way of contacting like yourself right and contacting your higher spirit and contacting god
0: because i think i think oracle cards or whatever you know type of oracle cards are i think maybe generally for every good for everybody in a in a meditative sense but i think the sense for me is like and i think this is with any practice i think that's even if you go into a new church like i think there are ways in which you have to learn how to ground yourself, how to protect yourself, how to know what resonates with you and what doesn't, how to know what your belief system is and isn't before you enter into really anything. Like I, like I said, I went to Catholic school. I didn't even let them pray on me or touch me with certain things because, you know, that could also be because of my Caribbean background. I've always been pretty leery, but um, I always say, I think like as in anything, like I don't think people should enter those things and those spaces lightly, but to... I always try for myself, even if something is not for me, I try my best to be open to understanding why not, you know, I've never really been opposed to figuring out why something is not for me. But I, I think that it's difficult in this world, in the modern system that we find ourselves to say, this is a good path, and this is a bad path, you know, and this, and this is just, just don't pass into that path because you just shouldn't. But I also think that it's important to have um, conversations like this with faith leaders, you know, and who have in people's particular communities, maybe families or traditions or cultures, to maybe understand why people might use these things or might not, or who uses these things or who does not, or who's equipped to, you know, access or tap into certain inf- information and who isn't and why. And actually,
1: um, I just, I, I think... think what you've said is actually extremely important because i think that the introductory the introduction to cards and just the use of tarot um or use of any kind of divination tools requires trust in someone else but i think Mm -hmm. i think you can learn by yourself but um There's a forum called, it's no longer around, but I still rely on it a lot. It's the Eclectic Tarot Forum, Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just wonderful, right? So it was a space where tarot card readers, um, both new and seasoned, could get together and ask specific questions about specific cards Mm -hmm. um, or specific um, uh, layouts, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And just that type of uh, relationship. Developing a connection with people that you trust around the cards and Mm -hmm. how to... Um, use them properly, show them honor, because I do think they they are they're a live entity, like I said, and I think they deserve a certain amount of respect. Um, I think that without someone to kind of properly introduce you to them or the right amount of respect, it can actually—I um, don't think it's harmful in any way, but I, I just think that it does a disservice, right, mm-hmm. to yourself. And I I actually think that going into some of the shops where like the bookshops that actually have the tarot cards, mm-hmm. I specifically like the. Um, shops that have like demo cards that you can actually open them up and see the entire deck Okay. Um, because people I think people will be really surprised at how um, how well they will resonate with at least one or two decks in a -hmm. a shop right Some something about the pictures or the imagery will speak to you or they'll make you feel safer or they'll make you feel um, like elevated in terms of like your your spirituality and so Mm -hmm. if I was going to recommend anything to you like I would say you know even if you're a little shy mm-hmm. about the tarot cards, like go into a store, go into one of the stores that have tarot decks, look through a demo and see if you can at least, even if you don't buy it, mm-hmm. right, just see if you can find a deck that actually speaks to you in some way that makes you feel safer and makes you like cu- a little bit more curious, so. Okay. Well, thank you. You're very welcome. This was a pleasure. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I actually think it's really important that black women specifically actually talk about like different modes of spirituality, right, mm-hmm. and actually um, make different methods of coping right with the the ins and outs of daily life and like getting to understand ourselves getting to understand one another um and i just think this is a way that we can do that right Uh, thank you